Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Jim, we had the most amazing guest. Um, we saw him in the street. People may know. How would they know him? He's a mayoral. He's a mayoral candidate. We got political. We got political, and we actually had uh, endorsed a, a candidate in the New York mayoral race. And we spotted him a couple of days ago on the street, and then we spotted him again. And then when we spotted him again, we, we had to acquire him as a guest. Make we, contact. We, we, we figured it out. We did it. Um, but Jimmy McMillan is our guest. Now, people don't know him by name as much as they know him by what? Well, by his definitely uh, uh, amazing visual image. Mm-hmm. But he gained prominence when when uh, this clip went viral of him in the in the governor's race in New York in 2012. He was with a a, a political party, another party, not the Democrats or Republicans. He's from the rent is too damn high party, mm-hmm. and his main platform is the rent is too damn high. Yeah, and and as soon as you say that, everybody knows like that guy because they guy. parodied him parodied him on SNL. Yeah, uh, he was on probably on Colbert and Daily Show. Mm-hmm. They all played clips of him. He's and now he's you know they get him on O'Reilly and different shows like that. He's uh, he's a he's a true political candidate and um, and pundit. Pundit, yeah, he is a pundit. That's what he is. Yeah, he's a pundit. He's um he's quite an illustrious, um, colorful, wildly flamboyant, um, very interesting man. I was starstruck. Yeah. We were and starstruck, yeah. So I was buzzing on him for for a couple of days and then we were in the East Village mm-hmm. yesterday having lunch, mm-hmm. breakfast. Yes. And you said, Look. And it's I saw his car. You saw his car. And I left immediately. I just <laughs> you, left you there. You went well, you <laughs> went across so that you could get a photograph of it. And then I plotted, I thought, he's gotta be in the vicinity. You know, if the car is parked here, he's gotta be around here somewhere. And so we walked around, we walked, we went through the park, we went to Thompson Square Park to look and see if he was in Tompkins Square Park. Um, we didn't see him. But as we turned back, I saw him. And then I ran to him. <laughs> I ran to him and I secured him. And then, you know, uh, we got his phone number. He seemed to be, he, he seemed to be very nervous because he was doing that uh, play. So he was a little bit out of sorts, and he told me expressly to call him at 7 p.m. Of course, I called him at 4.30, <laughs> and he had not com- completed his performance yet, so he insisted that I call him back at 7. And then so I called him back at 7, and I made a date for us to meet him this morning at uh, 7A in the village. Yeah. And uh, we had a great conversation with him um, out on the street uh, in the East Village. Yes, on the little, the little patio on the sidewalk of New York. Yeah. It, it's like you really do have to block a lot of things out. So I hope that people, when they listen to our Jimmy McMillan interview, they uh, can feel that they're out on the street slash restaurant with us. <laughs> well, we put you right there. We left a seat open. That's, that's your seat. Yes. A very narrow seat. You're going to have to get up a few times so we can move around. Yeah. And so the waitress can get in and, and pour some more coffee. Yeah. But that's that's where you sit. So have a listen. I'm coming to change the way New York City functions. It's dysfunctional 
and for the people that must get right. I've heard too many times people tell me, you have to have a million dollars, you have to have this, you have to have that. I proved them all wrong. You have to have the knowledge and know how to bring about change. Without the knowledge and know how to bring about change, you cannot even discuss change. You will be running to the same ones who created this mess to help you implement change. They don't have a clue. And if you start talking to them, you're going to fall into that. You don't have a clue, too, along with them, because they don't know which way to go to stop this man. I do. And that's what makes me different. To the people, I say that when I drink my coffee, New York is going to be a different place once I'm elected mayor. It will not be the same. You can look at me and see how the people's attitude is around me now to know change starts with self. And I'm here to bring that, and it's going to happen. <laughs> what is your um, political background? When did you start in politics? None. I'm so happy to say I have no political experience. I would not want to admit I'm a part of a corrupt system that has caused the people to lose everything they have. I'm so happy to say that I wish never to have been in politics, not even give anyone, even give myself a pat on the back, knowing that I'm a part of destroying the future for the young men and women. I don't want nothing to do. I'm not a politician. I'm just a parent. I have a Vietnamese daughter, 44 years of age, an American daughter, 39, and an American son, 33. So coming out of Vietnam, I'm a Vietnam veteran. And for my children, all I say is dad doing what dad got to do. Make sure my grandchildren can have a future in this place. And the way things look is just not only this place, it's in the entire country. I have fans in Australia, Brazil, South Switzerland, New Zealand, Russia, Korea, South Japan, um, you name the country, Israel, Egypt, you name the country. And those people, they, they love me there. Something I said in my message that is not resonating with Americans. Mathematically, Americans do not have the economic mathematical background they should have. They didn't get it in college, they didn't get it in high school. When I speak, they don't understand what I'm saying. In 1967, I was in a bomb explosion in Vietnam that wiped my memory total out. I have no memory of my past, going something. I remember the violent thing. I remember being, um, seeing black people hung. I was a kid. I remember being tortured by the Ku Klux Klan. They stuck a rifle in my rectum when I was a baby, when I was 16 years old. I remember that. But I don't remember no one I went to school with. I don't remember any of the friends. I don't remember a soldier I served in combat with. So I'm not worried about that, being an American defender. I served my country. Things happened. And I was put in a position where I don't remember. So be it. It's time to move on. You serve your country. Because as I lay on the ground, and I think of the pain I was in. I looked over to my right and my left. There was one guy laying here with a half a body. Another guy laying here with a half a face. One guy got laying around with no leg. And I, and I was just knocked unconscious. So I, I don't have any worry. I don't worry about anything at all. What I do say to everyone is uh, they talk about politics. Maybe I was in the politics serving my country. Oh, you shouldn't have served in Vietnam. Don't doubt your country. I serve, I serve, it's over with, and let it, let it go. But um, all of that, when my, memory, when my memory began to come back, I had to go to a psychiatrist. I started seeing numbers. 
I could look at a problem and know how to know how to solve it. I knew how much money it would take to fix it. And I Ah, forget it. Not this ain't this ain't happening to me. I started training martial arts real heavy every day. So I went to Hong Kong for a year. And I started learning Buddha, learn how to meditate to try to get my mind right. Stop thinking about all the violence in my mind. I thought that might have had something to do with it. I didn't know. So I kept on running. I used to run from Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn College, to 168th Street every day. And around Central Park one time, I was a jogger. I would run all the day. I was, I, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. But now that I'm older, this is in my 30s and 40s and 50s. And all of a sudden, when I get 64 years old, I ran for governor of the state of New York. Why? I have no freaking idea. I just wanted to come in and tell it like it was. When I sat on stage that night, my mother had just passed away in 2009. When I sat on stage that night, the person that was talking to all these people on national television wasn't me. I don't know. It wasn't me. What did you? What do you mean? Like, what it was? It was somebody taking you over, or oh, somebody yeah. like speaking oh, yeah. from inside? I thought it might have been my mom. Uh-huh. I thought it might because my mom died a year before. Uh, she died on on primary day, September 15, thousand nine. I thought about it because my mother knew what I wanted to do. I, she knew everything. She knew my intention. Why I wanted to help the people and the reason why. When President Barack Obama was voted for in two thousand eight, he made some mistake. He screwed the country up with his pen, writing laws and signing laws, giving money, giving the people money to cooperation. How you gonna do that? You don't know government. I, I'm, I don't know government, but whatever mindset that I'm in, knew he made a big mistake. When you give the people money away, the people automatically became 61% shareholders of General Motors, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, City Court, you name the bank. Everyone in America, 61% shareholders of every corporation and bank, the president signed their money over to. The mortgages are paid off. Student loans are paid off. Mr. President, you can't see that. I wrote him. They can't let my letters get to him because I am a rent to them my party. I'm not a Democrat. And so they're only concerned if you're not in that party, they're only concerned about that. He screwed this country up. He's the only president that did that. I don't, I ignore all the, the radical talk, him being the first black man, I don't pay that no mind. I know that what he did was a very fatal mistake amongst America. He put America deeper in the hole than ever, economically. I'm not looking at him as nothing else but a, made a bad mistake with a stroke of a pen. Looking at the money, that he was able to, that he allowed to be transferred to the to corporation to get them on their feet and let the people standing holding the bag. That's all I look at. I don't forget him. I was asked, okay, because I am a master in solution. I was asked this question too. Well, Mr. McMillan, how do you solve it? Easy. You signed a pen to create it. You signed a pen to end it. Nothing to talk about. By waiving the debt of the American people. Case closed, and there's nothing else to say. That's it. There's too much money and corporations that influence everything. It's, it's such, so hard to fight against that. It doesn't matter what party they're for. It seems like they just are really there for the interests of everyone except the people. That statement is like Muhammad Ali. Knew Joe Fraser had a lot of muscle. It would have been difficult to beat Joe Fraser because they had muscle. 
I don't care how much muscle they got. That's like in the political world, mean the corporation got muscle. I don't give a damn. Right. But that's, I think that's what we need is people to realize that because that, because they don't seem to be standing up for the people. They don't. That's why your message resonates so much. Yeah, and the people, this is, this is why I'm here. Because I want to show the people you can be effective without spending a million dollars. I'm running for mayor of the city of New York right now today. Running for mayor, why don't I have commercials all on television, all on radio, why not? I'm not in the Democratic primary. Being smart, know how to use every step, make every step count. Make, market yourself, make sure you can make money doing little small things. Why should I talk about my campaign to put out an advertising? They just had a rent rally Thursday over here. Well, we saw you on the way to the rally. Where was the rally? On Cooper Union, right down the street. Now. How do they, how can people find out about your rallies? No, they had the rent rally. I just attended. Oh, okay. But see, being smart, knowing that they will promote my campaign. Yes. All I have to do is show up. Right. And this is what I'm doing. I'm capitalizing on the their ignorant opportunity, knowing that every time they let the word rent come out their mouth, my campaign is being promoted. Yes. And I, yeah, even the candidates are campaigning for public office. I went to one debate last Tuesday, and while they were standing there talking, and they spotted me in the audience, and they supposed to be running for the same office I'm running for, guess what the first thing come out of their mouth? Rent too damn high, right? You're running for mayor just like me. Are you stupid or what? But see, this is what I did when I ran for governor of the state of New York. The word rent. Yeah. The word rent is like a chaos in martial art. Rent. Yeah. It does something to the mind. When it's applied, you use the word heal. Go you strike in martial art to try to startle your opponent. I use it to, damn, I make sure that I use that a number of times. It's like, it's like hypnotize certain weak vessels in your mind. Now, for all of those who are religious, it goes in another effect. The word damn. The word damn was taken out of the Bible because it was offensive to some, but damn in the Bible is supposed to be the word of God. So when I used the word damn, they wouldn't allow me to put the word damn on my party line. I had to go to court. And when the judge ordered my damn on, the ballot, on my party line in 2010, did Jimmy McMillan become a success? Or did the word damn find a reincarnation back into the world again? I'm backing up on that. That's great. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Religious, don't you play with the master. It's Jimmy McMillan became a star. Why? It's not because the rent too damn high. Is it because what Jimmy McMillan did? Jimmy McMillan has gave a rebirth to the word damn. This is nothing to play with. Well, also utilizing martial arts in your political actions, that's really brilliant. I think that's really great. Yeah, thank you. What is your background in martial arts? What what type do you study? The kind that whip. Oh, no, a fuck, fuck. The kind of martial arts, like, will make you love someone, not beating somebody. The kind of martial arts that'll say, "How you doing? You look wonderful." Open up the communication skills. Yeah. Don't be afraid to tell a guy, "Hey, man, you look good, man." You know. Don't be afraid to incorporate yourself into the family. I went to the library because I was looking for something. I was confused. Being around a lot of black people, they 
white man, this the white man at. When I came to my mind, something didn't something didn't match, something didn't fit. I kept hearing all this stuff about the white people, the white man, this the white man at. I got tired of hearing it. I wanted to find out for myself. I went to the National Geographic and I wanted to find out where I came from, what is going on with me, white people and all these Asians, what is, what's going on? But what I found changed my life forever. What made me want to really go drive deeper into politics. When I learned that it was, if it was not for the Asians, the Puerto Ricans and Latinos would not be here. When I learned that, I knew right away, my mother's grandmother is Cherokee Indian. So that means my mother's grandmother is part Asian. No, no, this, this can't be happening. Natural Geographic helped me understand 250,000 years ago, the species of Homo sapiens walked out of Africa to populate the country, the world. There was no Europe. Your, your skin complexion, you didn't exist at the time because of the ice age. But when the ice began to recede about 150,000 years ago, the people, those who went into the mountains of Europe were Africans. He's African. His Y chromosome and my, my, my Y chromosome is identical. Your Y chromosome and an African Y chromosome in Tanzania, both of our Y chromosomes fall to Tanzania, is identical. Forget your skin color. I'm looking, look at you, look at my blue eyed brother, man. Look at y'all. Look at my sister, look at, look at you. Education. People look at me and wonder why am I all so happy? Why do I have so many fans that love me? Because my fans can see something here because I know where you come from. I know who you are. I know you are my cousin. I don't mean like you come from North Carolina, no, no. I know where your bloodline actually come, belong. I know where it is. We are all family. And until we start thinking all family, I had a, uh, one of my uh, friends come to me, she told me, she, she said, well, I'm Asian. I said, no, no, get out of my face with that. No, you're not. You have a name, what's your name? That's who you are. And that's what I tell all my, I don't want to know about what, black, I don't know about that. You Chinese, you Jamaican, I don't want to know about that. I know who you are. Your bloodline runs the same as mine. And once you start understanding that you're, you're one people, it'll make your life a whole lot better. I'll be sitting in my car sometimes, I'll be like, oh my God, look at my cousin. Oh, they look good. Oh, God. Oh. You, you see the world with a different eye. And you have a different feeling about people when you see them because you know, boy, oh boy. Look at my family. Good God of All this talk, a lot of black women get kind of don't like when they see a, a white girl with a black guy. They talk about it. Uh, you know, the brothers, they all, every time they become a celebrity, go get a white guy, get a white girl. That's his damn family. Hell yeah. Hell, it's like, <laughs> I didn't know that all of this was available for me. Yes. What a beautiful planet we own, we belong to. But we screw it up with our ignorant ways of thinking. Why is Israel, Israelis and um, the Palestinians fighting every, all the time? They don't know their family. They have no idea. Someone has to, don't talk about it. Have an Israeli here, have a mosque right there, and this is what you do. Let's toast the coffee. That's what you say to them, let's toast the coffee. Oh, that's okay. But this is what you say to bring nations together. When the president say he refused to speak to Kim Jong-un, big mistake. You're supposed to be a bipartisan person. 
And when he said that, I knew right away for what I do, he made a big mistake. President got on the phone and he called some guy that admitted to be homosexual basketball player. You, I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, Jason Collins, yes. Jason Collins. You don't do that. Uh-huh. You do not do that as President of the United States. You're supposed to be bipartisan. You're supposed to be for those who are with him. You're supposed to be for those who are against him. You keep your mouth shut. These are the mistakes they're making in politics that I'm here to correct. It's been a big mistake because of the lack of knowledge of how to run your position. A guy running for mayor, a guy running for governor, a guy running for U.S. Senate. Asking me a mayor a, a question about running, say like I'm running for mayor. He asked me a question about gun control. Can't answer that. It's a waste of time with me. Because that's for the Congress and the Senate to pass. Why answer a question that is not under my control? Every government has been doing this. The government has been running since dysfunction from the very beginning. America and the, and the nation didn't get bad overnight. Accumulation of time, they all ran the government wrong. People voting for people because they made them believe they were going to do this and that for them. But instead, they went there and made themselves rich and richer and richer. And the people got poor and poor and poor. That is why we're in this mess. They did not understand government and how to run government, but they persuaded you to vote for them. They hypnotized you. They played on your ignorance to vote for them, and it worked. So do you feel that for the job of the office of mayor, what do you feel are your responsibilities to the city? It's like the ozone of the earth. The ozone protects the earth. My job is to protect the city, Brooklyn, Bronx, Staten Island, Manhattan, and Queens. Whatever, there are people in those counties, they have city councils that all reside in a place called City Hall. Whenever you have a problem in your district, you come to me. It's my job to make sure you get what you need for your district. And once again, if I can't provide it, I go to the governor. If the governor can't assist me, He's sending U.S. Senators to Washington, D.C. There's a chain of command you must follow. You and your boyfriend or husband get into a fight. What you arguing about? You just had a fight at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, y'all still arguing. Get over it. People just got to learn how to do things and move on. They just got to learn how to do things, and it's something they don't know how to do. People, you have to be taught, you have to learn how to crawl before you walk. People have to be taught. And this is what I'm here to do. They don't know the right, like, for instance, I, I went out, I put on my Facebook page, I said, Jimmy McMillan looking for a girlfriend. A reality show asked me to take it off. Cause they want to do a reality show, I'm looking for a girlfriend. Oh good. <laughs> but they don't know what I mean. What do you mean? As a teacher, or something is wrong. Girlfriend right here. What's up girl? Oh, let me tell you, I met this girl last night. I don't know. You know, I kind of like, I got my eye on her. I kind of like a little bit. Girlfriend would say, let me meet her. Girlfriend would be able to help to make sure that nobody come to use me and make a mistake. She's my best friend. I tell her everything. Yeah. We don't make love. We could sleep in the same bed. We could take a shower together. There's nothing. Just girlfriend because I want her to be my best friend. I need her to help me keep, the, keep my life straight. Yes. Now, I didn't say I was looking for a woman. Uh-huh. Now, she's different. Uh-huh. We get that shower together, something's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow or another, 
the words got lost. Words are very important when you use them. Tell me I know that the definitions are forgotten about. Every time I speak to someone, I say to them, I love you. My niece tell me, Uncle Jimmy, stop saying, telling everybody you love them. Well, I came home from Vietnam in 1967. I was injured on the plane. I looked out the window. Little Vietnamese girl had my baby in her hand. I was hurt, tubes in every hole in my body. I looked out the window, throwing kisses at her, and the last thing I read her lips saying when the plane was taken off, I never seen her again. Never seen her again. So when you leave someone at night, before you turn your back on them and say goodnight, I don't care what kind of pride you got, it's time to swallow it and say to that person, I love you. But you may not, you, you may not see them when you get up in the morning. And that's, that's what it is, because I've never seen her again. I've never been, I found it hard living with a woman in America because of that little girl who had my baby, looked at me and I couldn't put her on the plane to bring her back with me because I was hurt. I've never seen her again. It's hard to live all these years with somebody because I think of her every day. I've been married twice. I can't be with him because it wasn't like this girl that I didn't fall in love with, but I don't know. I really don't know what can, what we have. But in a combat zone where I was nearly killed, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain. I get lost in thought when I think of it because I don't know. But all I know is that, that I love you is good enough for me. Yeah. yeah. That you, did you get to reconnect with your daughter from there? I never seen her again. Oh, you never saw your daughter again? Never. But One she, of us used a little baby. You just know that's her age over there. I, I have a photographic memory of that. And as far as I'm concerned, that's good enough with me. Oh, wow. Wow. Life is brutal. I remember watching the World Trade Center as the World Trade Center was crumbling to the ground. I was looking up. I seen people jumping off the World Trade Center. I thought about my baby. They will never see their family again. And neither to kind of remind me, it's happened to me. I never seen my family again. While the plane was leaving Vietnam, it was under attack. The ground was being, it was under attack. And I always wondered, was she murdered? Was she killed? Did she get killed? I don't know. And just move on, man. That's what we do as soldiers. But as a veteran, what did you feel about 9-11? And as a veteran and as a New Yorker, what did that make you feel? What did you think about 9-11? What was 9-11? What can we look at it as? Well, you may, you may regret asking me that question. Um, no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. I uncovered Al-Qaeda here, digging in New York in 1989. When you go to my website, rent2damnhigh.org, when I uncovered them, as an American engineer, they took me to a place called Brooklyn Bell Parkway, tied me to a tree and doused me with gasoline to find out who was I working for. I wasn't working for anyone. I made them believe I worked with a big company. And they, they I had to call the police and the fire department to cut me loose from a tree that was as wide as these two tables together. They had poured gas on me. It's on my website. But being a Negro, being dark, being chocolate, being African-American, America was a very racist time at that time. They called me crazy and wacko. 
where I discovered them, they called me anti-Semitic. Who they was living with, where they was using these people that you had to, to, uh, to conceal their identity. 9-11 should have never been hit in 1993, should have never been hit in September. All because they ignored, America had never been under attack before. They ignored the warning sign. They didn't know who I were. I know I, know I have a special talent. And now that I've become a celebrity, the world is going to know. I knew who they were before they hit the World Trade Center. I knew where they high ground. I see them every day. Who, who, who tied you up? Who stopped the World Trade Center? They, they, they got you. Exactly. Because they saw you around. I got video footage. I got video footage right now of them digging in, of them building in the basement, computers. Where they used to go and watch the World Trade Center every night in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Navy Yard. I'm not playing with them. I'm here for a reason. And so you, did you go to the police and tell them this? I try to contact law enforcement all over the world. Remember, this is a mark against you in America at that time. Right, right. And as a veteran, I realize it, enough is enough. I just said, fuck it. For them, I'm just a nigga. And I let it go like that. So when the first attack happened, did you go, it oh, okay, that, that's, they, they did it. They, I ran they for mayor in 1993 because of that. Really? No one listened. I was trying to find a way to get attention to something is wrong. Like I'm running for mayor for a reason because something is wrong. Economically, it got to get right. No one understand why I'm here. Some newspaper called me wacky. Some call me crazy. People, some believe them. But you know, I don't give a shit. But that's what they do. They always make somebody, anybody that stands out and, and is outspoken, they always find a way to say, well, he's just a crazy person. He's just a, a madman spouting out. It's, it's the way of discrediting everyone that, that has a voice. Now it's a different story. Because I've become the most powerful man in the world right now. The Democratic establishment and the Republican establishment don't want people to pay attention to me. Because I have taken the attention away from their party. I am a threat. And I'm gonna I'm letting them know. Let me just say this. I'm pretty sure you heard that expression. Somebody said, well, hey, can can you get can you do this to me? Get a job for me? He said, no, can you get a job for me? Can you do, do this for me? And you would say, well, let me get in the door first and then I'll. That's what I'm doing now. Let me get in this door. When I get in this door, you think what we're talking about right now is not gonna be public? All this talk about the world trips, Al Qaeda, they're telling a damn lie. Mayor Ed Cox rolled out the carpet when Al Qaeda came to New York and they started digging in to build their homes all throughout Brooklyn. David Dinkins fed them. Rudy Giuliani housed and closed them. All these they call heroes turned their back because they didn't know. And I'm not mad at them because they didn't know. I don't get mad at them because they didn't know. But it's time to get it right. The same person you call crazy and ignored, I'm 66 years of age. How come I look so well fit and don't look like I'm going to die soon? Thank you. Somebody got a plan for me. Remember I told you about that bomb explosion I was in in Vietnam? Yes. I supposed to die then. Why didn't I? Someone has a plan for all of us. Don't try to figure it out and go around and pray to him all day long. Just be good to the planners why you put you here for a reason. Not to sit up and pray to him all day in damn church. Get your ass out and help pick up some dirt off his, off his, off his property. He gave you a home. Take care of it. 
But no, you're going to sit on your knees and pray all day to him. That's not helping him. But help, I'm helping by making sure that the species of homo sapiens can end what I call, when I look at history, I look at how we used to be cannibalism each other. We have been brutal to set. The, the whites was hanging the Negroes, was hanging their own family. All of these wars, brothers fighting brothers. You know, at the time women didn't fight at some areas in some countries, but now women fighting and men fighting. When, when will we get someone to take this nation and say that we all family? North Korea problem can be resolved in a second. How can they resolve it? How can President they resolve Barack Obama. Huh? President Barack Obama. Huh? Call him and meet with him tomorrow. Yeah. Go play golf with him. He likes basketball. Barack Obama likes basketball. So, so you're saying instead of sending Dennis Rodman, send Tiger Woods? <laughs> no. You're right, but Barack Obama go, Barack Obama go himself, and that's how you solve the problem. You mean go talk to him himself? Invite him to a basketball game. You, you the president. Why are you not going to go? Because somebody said don't go. Kim, don't you spend a lot of time here in America? He's a young thirty-some-year-old kid using his words to see what words will rattle you, like most kids do. Remember a guy standing across the street, yo, I'm gonna fuck you up, nigga, I'm gonna fuck up. Me and you men. And me and you look at him and say, get the fuck out of here. You gotta bring ass to get ass, you know, talk. But this is what Kim Jong Yu doing. He never had a chance to exercise his strength. Is he, it's, it's more like a, sh a show. That's all it is, it's a kid. A young man growing up. President Barack Obama got people around him, don't know that. These are old assholes up there watching. Did you see all the dudes take Viagra all day long and jerk off and watch Bono? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but communication, that's that's the key to everything, isn't it? That's the key. Even in, in the most like direct relationship between a couple of people, communicate. Everything. That's what you get that's what you realize when you get older. Everything can be worked out a little bit better by talking about it. People go, well, I'm not gonna talk to you till you talk to me. Fuck that. Go talk to each other. I'm I'm on top of the world, but I communicate with the people. No one else can understand, well, how did I, what is going on? I communicate with them. I drive my car around with my picture on it. They want to stop and take pictures, I get out. Sometimes, I, if it's late at night, I don't get out. I sit in the car and take pictures. <laughs> you got you to gotta be careful, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Self-preservation is the key to life. <laughs> you look out for your ass. You ain't gonna be here to tell nobody about tomorrow. And like I say to everyone, you ignore the need of the people and you wonder how you got breast cancer, how you got prostate cancer, why do I have colon cancer? You don't give a damn about nobody. Nobody give a damn about you. Once you start caring about people, your immune system comes alive. It triggers from your heart, from your mind. Do you eat seedless grapes? Yes. Yes. That's the biggest mistake in the world. Oh, no. Wait a minute. I thought I was, I thought I was doing good. <laughs> What's wrong with seedless grapes? Because the reproductive cycle is cut off by you. 
everything is reproduced. You eat seed grape. You're eating the, in case if you want to have a child, if you do have one, the child may be born deformed, or you may not have a child at all because you have automatically cut off. You're eating food that you can't reproduce. So this is something that you, if you don't plan on having any children, or you may be wondering why you're getting headaches and why, because the things that's in those seeds is great, the enzymes and the minerals and nutrition your body needs to function on a daily basis. But once that's taken out of the food you eat, then slowly you'll, that it will evaporate in your body and it will die. And you, when you get older, you'll be wondering why you this, why you have Alzheimer's or why this or why you're wrinkling, whatever. Because we destroy ourselves by paying attention to television and eating seedless grain. <laughs> you must eat seedless food. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing about reproduction, and I, I had a question because you were talking about Jason Collins, you know, the basketball player who came out of the closet. So then, what is your, um, what is it, you know, being in the great city of New York, what is your thought on the fact that gay marriage is legal here, and that all of this is very much identified, I think, with New York and gay rights. What do you think? Well, you know, Mr. McMillan has a wonderful position on gay marriage. If you want to marry, shoot. I'll marry you. In other words, mind your business. Right. What they do in that bedroom is between them. Right. But what the problem I have, because there are children, why are you promoting what you do? Why you want everybody to know who you with? I don't give a damn. Someone had to step up and say that. Why do you want to edu- put that into the high school when the children don't even know reading, writing, and arithmetic? Leave the kids alone. You are an adult. That is your lifestyle. At a certain time in life, when we get these kids out of high school, then you can teach them about your about that life when they at a certain after 12th grade or 10th grade. But there's a certain there's a time and a place for everything, you know. And this is what I say: people just have to learn that when a woman, a young lady, at a certain age, 10, 11. She read her menstrual period. Don't try to rush time. It took you nine months to be born. You can't rush it. So if anybody argue, well, the children, no, no, you cannot rush it. Let these, leave these children alone and let them learn how to be children. And from the children, there are other things. It's the progressive thing that comes along with learning. You cannot rush your pregnancy. You can't rush time. Learn how to operate within life and the world will be fine. And that's our problem. We're in such a damn hurry. All of us in a hurry. You meet someone you want to go to bed with, you're going to knock it out in three minutes. Leave it alone. You got all night. But because we are in such a hurry to do everything, we don't think it, it takes about the time the time part. But when it comes to gay marriage, I couldn't give a damn. Because a lot of people walk around and say they're not gay. When they get in that room and the door's closed. Really? Don't you believe people? They'll do all that stuff. All the TV anchors love to talk about sex. Remember they had Anthony Wiener on TV with the sex stuff? Yes. Yes, well, that, he's one of the um, uh, other candidates. You, it, and and, and you're, you're the rent's too damn high. At one point, he was his pants was too damn low. <laughs> and How do you take a man seriously when he sent out those kind of pictures? Anthony Wiener was voted into the office by the people who needed him to go to Congress to help with this with their city town of Congress. Anthony Wiener quit 
because of what he did, it had nothing to do with him being voted into office. He was not ready. You have to understand your position. Why would you quit? You didn't, you quit for personal reasons. The people, what about those people voting for you, wasting time voting for you, for you to help them do something with their district? You had a bad advisor, somebody told you to quit. What you did on Facebook had nothing to do with your elected position. I'm just here to get the record straight as a teacher. Learning martial arts, I gotta show you the fundamentals of it. The steps you go by. Now, also, what I'm doing my feet are positioned and my body balance, my shoulders, my all of the breathing techniques that gotta be positioned. Why did you quit your position? I waste my time voting for you to become a Congress, go to Congress. Four years. I knew the four years that the bills that you would have helped pass would have maybe helped my grandmother not die of cancer, heart attack, or stroke. Maybe the hospitals wouldn't be closing. What you did on Facebook had nothing to do with people voting for you. Why'd you quit? And not only Anthony Weiner, the entire country is dysfunctional when it comes to understanding your position as an elected official. I mean, help them understand it. So here's what I did. I was on Bill O'Reilly, February 7th. Check the rerun. I said it was time for me to start this. Everybody need to learn from me how to handle things that you say and do. Now that I'm a celebrity, I said it's time for me to get the ball straight. I told them I was a stripper. <laughs> Why did you tell them that? I was. You were? Oh, tell us about that. When was that? My daughter born deformed from Vietnam. I'm exposed to Agent Orange. See my hand? Uh-huh. The chemicals of Agent Orange is killing me slowly. Yes. Once the chemicals of Agent Orange leave my hand and get right here, I'll probably have to amputate my whole hand. Oh, no. Wait. My, my daughter needed spinal surgery. She has spinal bifida. When I came from Vietnam, my government told me, your children is your responsibility. It's almost like saying, my government told me, fuck you. I went to the club. I, I needed money to help this child. The government wouldn't help me. I'm not gonna actually do a damn thing for me. I do it my damn self. I got, I, I got a limb. I went, went, I seen a sign one day. I went by the club, you know, said, stripper wanted. All I had to do was go in there and audition. You know, for your parents, they had to look at it, get a major. You know, okay, you come up. So I went in, I qualified, I had the job. I danced on the pole, I had another female dancer. We used to fake sex all the time. But the, the problem was the money I got. It's entertainment. Go to strip show one night. It's entertaining. Don't take the freaky shit out your mind. It's nothing but women, the girls, are, woo, and the guys are like, bing, bing, bing. Who are you dancing for? Who? What were your audiences you. like? Yes. You. If you're if you're out there in the audience, I'm dancing. I'm dancing. So you, a lot of women love to see a man dance with his little underwear on, and when they drink it, ah! they take the dollar bills and put the dollar bills in the G string, you know. And I learned the trick: if, if a lady put a dollar bill in your G string, she asks you for change back. It's time for you to quit. You know. <laughs> These are jokes they do. <laughs> Going to see a stripper is nothing. It doesn't make you a freak. It makes you a human being. You're exercising your constitutional rights as an American citizen, and it's nobody's business but yours. So here's what I did. I, I wanted to tell them. I was asked about that. Why you became a stripper? You run for public office. So here's my answer. Mr. Miller, why did you become a stripper? I said, well, I'll explain that on another show. I came here to talk about why I'm running for public office. But you know, stripping, I said, 
your wife probably got photographed of me stripping. So you asked her. But meantime, let me answer the question I came here to talk about. What am I doing? I'm a teacher. Politics, you invited me to talk about my issues. You didn't invite me to talk about my social life. You must learn how to speak and how to address issues. If you don't know how to address issues, you need to get out of this race. This was on Bill O'Reilly that you were asked about your stripping? Yeah. And then, uh, what, are you, what are your feelings on Bill O'Reilly? He's an entertainer. Yes, that's right. That's it. Why you get mad at him because all of you love him talk about Barack Obama? No, what? It's an America. You know? You shouldn't have... You shouldn't have any negative feelings about him. His program is nothing but entertainment. Yes. He says what he said to his viewers to get them to watch the program. But is, is that why it's hard to get any change? Because the real issues never really get talked about because we just go and decide issues on these. Like the media's a lot now, it's very much just, it's really more entertainment than information. Nothing but entertainment. Nothing but entertainment. And when I realized that, I said, oh, now it's time for me to put my entertainment skills in the race. Is, is that why you think you took off so huge? Because you have an, an incredible message, but also you're an incredible showman. And you have a look. You're very distinct and visual. And, I mean, that clip, when you were, when you were in, the, in the debate for the, for the uh, gubernatorial race, it went viral. Everybody saw it. That you were on SNL. They, uh, Keenan Thompson did a great impression of you. But that's how you sort of get your message across, right? Yes. All of this was staged by me. I sat in the car doing the debate. I looked in the mirror, rearview mirror, because I had a full beard. Oh, yeah? I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I didn't want to look like Al Sharpson. I took my clippers. Mm. So you shaped it. You shaped it. It's, it is shaped, so it's like there's a. Um... Yeah, I did it in the car. Yeah. Oh, okay. I carved it myself. In the beginning, if you look at some of my old photos, I had it, but I, I a long time ago. But I got rid of it. But I thought this was a great time to present that look to television. Yeah. yeah one more thing left after I had carved all this out. All this out. I looked. I said, there's one thing I need to do to separate my identity from everyone else. I need to divide myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It means something. Uh-huh. One is good and one is evil. Oh, really? Okay. It one side of the beard. What I used to be and who I am now yes. is the reason why I parted it. I love who I am now. Well, who I used to be grow long and grow faster than who I am now. This side of my beard grow faster than that side. Oh. <laughs> I have to get a closer. What do you mean that when you say what you used to be? When I came, I did a play off Broadway in 2007. Because I heard a lot of people in the war. I was a very evil guy. Um, I would fight real quick. I used to drink. I stopped drinking because it brought back too many members of the war. And... After my mother told me that my father used to beat her, and when I and she told me that, I I knew something. My memory was lost, but there was something in the back of my mind kept saying this. Why why is this guy beating this woman in, in my in my head? And my mother put the pieces together. I realized it was my dad beat my mother when I was a child growing up. Only when I drank, I seen that. 
So I stopped drinking. I don't drink. That's good. That's good. But I mean, what um, what did you do? Do you remember? You said you don't have a lot of memories from your former, you know, just from years past. But what do you remember from Vietnam? When were you um, deployed? Do you remember that? When you had to leave? I remember when I left. But, but, but all of that, no. I remember, I remember being on the plane, looking at her outside the plane, and I was in tears. Plane took off. How do you know you did bad things? What do you mean when you say you were bad? Um, I killed a lot of people. That I know. Yes. Without having to go into detail how you killed them, I knew I did. But you had to. I mean, you had to because you were in the in the armed forces. So that's not. I mean, I it's, it's not a judgment on you, but you. No. That was what you were supposed to do. No, I'm just speaking about the memory part of I knew I did. Right. Without right. going into details, it's, it's um, it's just something that you want to let people know. You don't want to get into an argument. You don't want to let it get violent. Right. You want to love. Of course. Right. Everyone. This is why. I'm in a better position to talk, to tell people, say I love you to everybody. Because you never know when you're going to see it. I remember bomb exploding and guys gone. And I've seen them gone. And I'm still here. So these are the things that you want to remember. Remind yourself, that could have been you. But it's a terrible thing. And are you compensated by the government now for what you did there? Do you have... Um, some kind of at least um, medical insurance or some kind of um, what do they do for veterans now? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Not a damn thing. It's terrible. When you go to the military base, they pay the highest prices for clothes. The apartments in the military base is higher than it is out here in the street. A one bedroom is $2,600 a month. A two bedroom is $4,800 a month. A three-bedroom is near the 6,000 on a military basis. And the president of Barack Obama knows this, and they're not doing anything. But I have a voice now to get this information out, and that's what I'm here to do. Make sure everyone knows exactly what we're going through and how we've been treated. And it is, it is, it is so bad. You know, you wouldn't treat a dog the way we've been treated. Where did you grow up? I don't remember. But I, you don't remember that? I don't, I don't remember. I thought I was born in 1966. I can only tell you what they told me. I, okay, okay. I don't do that anymore. I don't. I don't. I tell I tell everyone Florida, but I don't. I don't. I just don't want to answer nothing. I don't know for sure. I don't remember. So, as far as your, your, the beginning of your campaign, the rent is too high campaign was that just the most important issue to you at the time? Medical, job. Buying property, renting property, food prices, clothes, families breaking up, strong family bragging, not being able to provide for your children. All of that is in rent is too damn high. I simplified it. In every letter of the R-E-N-T, there is something that represents your suffering and it need to be done. I learned how to simplify a message using a word called rent. It's too damn high. Everything you suffer in everyday life is in rent. Young men and young women breaking up because they can't afford to live together. Husbands and wives getting divorced because of the same reason. People arguing over money. 
Young men and women, young men going to prison for robbing because they can't afford to feed the family. All of these things are combinations that I incorporated in one word. A five-letter word. Rent is too damn high. And people don't understand it. I'm here to explain it best I can. It's like a prop, the body of a car. Hunger, homeless, poverty, job, out of business, going out of business, lost our lease. Providing a roof over your head, food on your table, and money in your pocket. All of that is under the shelter of rent. It's too damn high. When did you realize it was too high? When did when did you become aware? Like, what happened that brought you to this political life? A vision. In 1993, 15 million businesses left the state of New York. And upon 15 million businesses leaving the state of New York, having the mindset that I have, I knew the domino effect it would have later. I just didn't know when it would take place, or how soon it would make me who I am, but I knew it was coming. It was a landslide. When businesses leave the state in mass numbers, the landslide of suffering was about to erupt. What did you, what did you think made the businesses leave? What happened that, what, do you, what do you feel like was the cause of that? Elected officials being voted into office couldn't see it coming. Simplest one, two, three. Long and in it wasn't bad. But something happened. In 1999 and in year 2000, it wasn't bad. Something told me in the year 2000, I had a video camera. I went around to all the car manufacturers. I videotaped the car prices on all the brand new cars. That was no more than $6,000. I videotaped it, took pictures of it. All of a sudden, 9-11. The nation was left unguarded. The state attorney general, the U.S. attorney general, they all went scrambling because they didn't know what, we'd never been slapped before. We were slapped. And when you, if you've ever been slapped, you know what I'm talking about. America got caught off guard. We didn't know how to defend ourselves. We got caught with our pants down. They forgot about the people. They ignored the people. They went scrambling to try to figure out what went wrong for television. And they didn't know. They did, simply didn't know. The real estate investors waited for that moment. They've been praying for that moment for someone to give them the opportunity to get rich quick. They began, they seen that no one was paying attention to them. They begin to shoot up prices in real estate, shoot up prices in rent. It's slowly starting to rise, and it haven't stopped yet. It started rising since September 11, 2001, and it's been going up ever since. And we don't have anyone in government to see what went on and what caused it. It's like a flood that's about to happen. This glass is a good example. How much water can you pour in this glass? If you put too much in it, it's going to spill over. That's what's happening in America. What already happened in Egypt. What's happening in all the, many of the third world countries. Thanks, bro. Many of the third world countries that the government has spilled over 
like a glass of water. And they could have prevented it. When the glass gets so full, you must make sure that it don't get to a certain level. Just like everyone else. Pay attention to man manufacturers. They can give us so much hot sauce in here. If they do, they put a, put a cap on it. You must put a cap on spending the same way. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. Your government, London, Israel, you put a cap on it. They got to learn how to pay attention to what's going on around you. Go to the store and look at all the soda bottles. Look at the orange juice containers. You can't get but so much in those containers. They close it and put a cap on it. America don't believe in that. They're just getting greedy. They just believe in raising, London raising, Australia raising, because everyone is operating under the democratic system we have that's dysfunctional. It doesn't work. What do you think we should do? It doesn't work, but what should we do about it? How do we get, how do we change it? It seems so complicated. How do we change it? President Barack Obama holds the key to that. But all he has to do is to start in America that will send a domino effect to every country in the world by waiving the debt of the American people. You allow Fatty Man Freddie Mac to blow $800 billion. Pat him on the back, don't run along. And at the same time, you gave the people's money away to 50 and $50 billion to every bank and corporation in America. And you allowed homeowners to lose their home. Why? The money you gave that bank of the people's money was the same bank that foreclosed your home. I got to break it down because nobody seems to understand what I'm saying. That person who lost their home is a 61% shareholder of the same bank who foreclosed their home. Bank of America, City Corps, Chase Bank, um, Discovery, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, American Express, you name the bank. In America, they all, everyone is, is a part owner, shareholder of those branches. The American government should have been more transparent and should have treated the American taxpayer like shareholders, but they, but they did not. Why? Because they don't know what the hell they were doing. Well, because you know all of this, do you think that now um, people are going are, are going to be after you? I mean, what do you feel like the dangers of being so outspoken as you are and saying your views? Don't you feel that that's a dangerous thing? All I say to them, I'm an American defender. Vietnam tried that in Vietnam, and I'm talking to you today. I'm not taking care of me and my family. Self-preservation is the key to life. I'm not gonna let you hurt me. You can try. I'm not as dumb as I look. Have there been attempts? I mean, what is there anything negative that's happened because you've you know made yourself such a public figure and made your views so public? And what you're saying could be possibly very volatile for the system. What do you think? Have there been consequences? Smart. Being smart got me where I'm at. This is why. Now you're about to make me give you the ingredients the way to what I'm doing. I want the I want the recipe. I want it. I want it all. Cook it up for me. 
Okay, I'm gonna hook you up a little bit, but I'm not gonna give you the entire recipe. Okay. <laughs> not gonna give me the secret, the secret no, sauce. No. But give me some. Not even a guy just make this coffee. I'm gonna tell you how he made them coffee be so good. <laughs> All that wine. Now, you're right. But I'm gonna show you how dumb I am. How stupid I am. But how intelligent and smart we all are just by eating the right protein, relaxing and don't let anything stress you out and drink a lot of water because the body needs water. No matter what you do. I ran for governor of the state of New York because I know running for governor, if elected, I will get all the protection I need, shut it down. I didn't win to be governor, but I won the hearts of the, of the world. Running for mayor of the city of New York will give me the same protection. See what I'm doing? So before you can come into the world of politics, like taking a shower, leaving the house, you're not going to walk out of the door butt naked, you got to put clothes on. So that's all I'm doing. Making sure that I take my time, relax. I'm there where I want to be. Chances are that I will get elected mayor of the city of New York. And I will be ready. Well, chances are. And um, so what do you think, um, what, 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 what's election day? When is election day? November 5th. So then, um, now, now you com campaign, you did a television show yesterday. What was that? Tell, tell us what that was like. It was a play they wanted me in. Movie, a little, little movie play. Oh, it was a movie? Yeah, I went to that. Okay. I what? didn't know what it was. I thought that. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? They had me to come on stage and... Um, do some talking about the rent is too damn high because they, they were talking about rent. The guy, they know how I improvise. So I walk around, walk on stage for five minutes and I improvise talking about issues, people suffering, this and that, and they let me go. The audience went crazy when they seen me. When I walked out, they all went nuts. You know, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You know, we love you, we love you, you're my idol, you know. Man, 90 years old, sitting in the audience talking about I'm his idol. I'm like, oh, damn. Well, I don't know what I did, that's man. <laughs> but that's what everyone knows me, they love me for, and I just be me. And you speak for the common man. Yeah. You're every man. Thank, thank for saying that. <laughs> but I just... You are, you are that voice that, that people don't have. Thank you. It was a pleasure to say, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> it's beautiful to be where I'm at. Sometimes I look at my door, I sit in my car, and I watch everybody pass. I look in the rearview mirror. Damn, you're an old guy. I say to myself, you're an old guy. 66 years old, gonna be 67 December 1st. I'm not young anymore. I look, sometimes I wanna say something to some of the beautiful women walking by, but I say, nah. <laughs> Nah, leave it alone. I have more fun and comedy with them myself than I do. And I, I'm, I'm funny against myself. Sometimes I take my shirt off. I want to take my shirt off one day. I want to put on a white shirt because I love white. But when I look and see my, there wasn't no body, there wasn't no shape in my body. Nah, I put a black shirt on. <laughs> so funny. But I, I think you you also have that self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's, that's what also endears you to people. The black shirt made me feel more comfortable. I felt more... But I, I'm, I'm funny against myself. You know, I be, my, my main focus is like, why people love you so much? All you said was written too damn high. You know? But, but 
I'm saying a lot of other things. It's not just you're saying you're, you're that's the beginning of it, but then there's many other statements that you have. I mean that everybody should be equal, that we're all family, that that race is unimportant, that sexuality doesn't need to be an issue, that we're all the same. I think that's what you're saying. Thank you for that. Um, I just want everyone to know. I want everyone, look at me. I've been told I can't do this because I needed a million dollars in politics. I can't do that because I needed this. I didn't have to. You need to raise funds. You need to do this. And all I say to them is I don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. <laughs> the question to them is, I mean, whatever the answer was to them, stop telling me what I need to do. Help me do what I'm trying to do. I don't need your negative criticism. I don't need any compliment. If you cannot help me get to the next step, then stay the hell away from me. If I'm too ugly for you to look at, then sit the fuck out my face. Because you know people do that, oh, you ugly bastard. Well, fuck you. you. That's just how it is. Oh, you need to lose weight. Fuck you again. You accept me. Accept me for who I am. Accept what I want to do. And a lot of problems today, what we're saying, is within relationship. He have a good job, she don't. She have a good job, he don't. They don't know how to work together to come together to make it work. We have a problem of communication, what I'm saying. I think Saturday Night Live and another another program called The World's The Most Dumbest for lifting me up, putting me on, on top of the clouds. Excuse me for a second. I think... I thank those programs for putting me on top of the world, but all of that has increased my popularity, and people just love me more. I have something happen to me in this neighborhood that never happened before, and I sometimes it's confusing. Why is most of my fans Asian? I couldn't figure that out. And then I started paying attention. And then I noticed the computer. And I figured it out myself. I said, oh, this is why I'm so popular within the Asian community. Because they're internet hog. And being an internet hog increased their popularity. And they love me, and I love them back. Some of the prettiest women in the world have approached me. In the beginning, hi girls, those are my fans, all of them, and this is what these kids do when they see me. They don't care who they with. They want to, uh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's you. Oh. <laughs> I said, how old are you? She said, 19. Put it on white girl. I be like, my question, reason I asked that was, how many other young kids act like this when they see me. A lot of them. You can't mess that up. Because I, this is when I adopted the slogan. I had to ask that. I adopted the slogan that every child is my child. So they all called me daddy. 
<laughs> they heard it on YouTube. Every college I've spoken to, Princeton, Harvard, Quinnipiac University, New York University, you name the college I spoke to, Boston, UMass, St. John. And I tell them every child is my child. And saying that, they all call me daddy. And so it's a family kind of thing. So that's what it is. The full chat with Jimmy McMillan. Yes. yes. We talked to him all about his work and his life, and but a little bit of gaps in his life, you know, a little bit of like, yeah. he, he sort of didn't, he wouldn't kind of give up his origin, his city of origin, or any of his um, real background. Background, he, personal information. I don't know. What do you think that was about? Do you well, think he said it's amnesia from a bomb blast in Vietnam, and he has selective little moments of, of, um, of memory. But not over all that stuff. But he remembers everything sort of after that fact. Right. But not beforehand, except a few moments. But do you think would he do you think that he had forgotten or what do you think he I mean what would what do you think was the deal? Like because he just didn't really I don't know, he was very not forthcoming. No, because he said that and then I asked him later on, I said, Where 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 did where did you grow up? And he says, I don't I don't know. I don't remember. Some people will tell you Florida, but I don't know. And he seemed not cagey, but it's just wasn't wasn't what he was going to talk about. No, and I wonder is it because he truly doesn't remember, or that he's trying to maybe build his legend to an extent, like it doesn't matter where I'm a from. A bit of myth, a Mi- bit yeah, of mythology. Sort of, yeah. Well, because and even you said his look is mythological, really. Yeah, he looks like Poseidon. Yes. He looks like Poseidon. He looks like a satyr or like a um, mythical uh, uh, something that you would find uh, 20,000 20, Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> He's like a Jules Verne. Yes, absolutely. He's a bit like um, Ishmael. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that sort of a Moby Dick, kind of like a seafaring, but right. although he didn't mention the sea at all. He's very maritime, isn't he? He's maritime. He's like master and commander, uh, maritime, Poseidon. He looks like he'd be blowing a cloud across <laughs> the Atlantic. <laughs> you know, there's With the big earrings, too. You said he was a bit, what? Um, pirate. But literally, he's like the uh, from the Black Pearl. Yes, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, like it, it wouldn't... He, he's sort of like a... Uh, Bill, what was it? Bill Nye, Bill Nye, uh, Bill Nye, or um, Bill Nye, St- yeah. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, kind or Bill Nye was uh, was Davy Jones. Yeah, he he is kind of like um, you know the 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 whiskers. It, it, it is kind of like a it's like a meerschaum pipe, of, yeah, or Bacchus, or Dionysus, yeah. or something. That but they, he does he doesn't drink alcohol. No. So Dionysus wouldn't be, or Bacchus wouldn't be quite the right term, but... But maybe the maybe that's the past. That's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a kind of a, a mythological god-like quality yeah. to him. He's got a very, he's got a big, big sir presence, big stare. Every Everybody uh, who was kind of walking by us noticed him, and most people talked to him. Yes, a lot of men, and uh, like you said, a lot of men stopped and talked to him, noticed him. Rent's too damn high, guy. Rent's yes. too damn high. Yeah, he wants to talk to people, and um, you know, and he was very gentle and and in into it. But you know, at the same time, there were some things that I didn't quite understand. Like there was his stance on gay rights, which I didn't really, I kind of didn't really get. But it was really um, political. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in the like he like he was playing the the diplomatic political fence a bit. Right. Because he seems to be, well, that was his big uh, quote during the governor's race. I think somebody asked him about gay marriage, and he says, I don't care if you marry a shoe. I'll marry. Like, that's not, he, I don't think he's concerned with it. He right. seems to think that he just doesn't want to know about it. Yes. Like, I guess maybe it's like, well, I think he's conflating, like, when politics and personal become like, I, I don't, he doesn't care about the personal aspect of stuff. Right. He just wants people's lives to be better. But I think right. he's forgetting that somehow... Well, there are people who need the the rights and the and even though he's for it, mm-hmm. it's it's like well, you gotta you also gotta know the other part of it too. But I I, I kind of see how he's saying it in that like let's not worry about all the specifics. Let's just let's just move on and and yeah. lower the rents. Yeah, I mean, I think um, he has. Uh, he has a lot of interesting points. He obviously is a compassionate person. There were things that I I wasn't clear about, but I didn't want to press on because mm. I realized that he does have this sort of political message that he wants to get across. So I, I'm kind of like, you know, he's not somebody to argue with necessarily because there is no argument because he's not really bringing up anything that I'm against. I'm just kind of like, hmm, I just uh, wanted some clarification. Right. And in the setting, we were in a restaurant, so there's a bit of, it, it, it would have been different, I think, if we were a bit more of an acquired space to kind of really, where there would have been conversation. We really just sort of sat there and listened to him more than we, that, than we engaged. And may, I think it was more because of the environment. Yeah, it was more for the environment. And, you know, you couldn't really uh, talk to him, like, as well because there was stuff happening around us. We were basically on the street. And that's why we invited Jimmy to come back and talk to us in a... In a quieter location. So we had him come back to the hotel where we could actually ask him a few more in-depth questions about our first conversation. Jim, we have a re, uh, re, uh, return guest who we're going to ask very briefly about some intense things. Would you like to introduce him? We have uh, 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 an amazing man, an orator, a man of the people, a man who stands up for the rights of the common folk. Yes. Uh, he is running for mayor of New York City, and he has our endorsement. Yes. He is the brilliant Jimmy McMillan of the Rent is Too Damn High Party. Yay. Hey, guys. Hey, how y'all doing? Everybody get involved in an invisible clap. There we go. I love it. <laughs> We're okay, all standing at, 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 at standing ovation. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, you can sit down now. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, we spoke to you bri- uh, for, uh, we just wanted to speak to you briefly because we're going to put this onto your other interview that we have of yours. This is wonderful. Um, just about what's going on with the scandal with somebody who is also running for mayor. And we want to talk to you about Anthony Weiner. Okay. Um, as you know, uh, I don't uh, talk about anyone directly, but I do want to comment on what he'd done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, understanding that this is the marketing capital of the world. Mm. And I don't think Anthony Weiner knew or know what he did. Mm-hmm. He created a name called Carlos Dangerous, mm-hmm. naming his private part. <laughs> the pornographic world is richer than rich can get. Mm-hmm. And the pornographic and the pornography world, all you have to do is create a Carlos Dangerous and you will become a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He may not know it, but he had done something incredible when it comes to marketing. Is he, Whoever pick it up will be a billionaire in one month. Right. But on the personal side, Whatever he did personally is not going to change the legislative laws. Right. 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 
So at some point, we have we as American citizens must say that we live under the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Living under the Constitution, you are a free man. Your political life has nothing to do with your personal life. Mm-hmm. But we had incorporated the political life, those who uh, say that it will make him look bad. I say to you, you have a constitutional right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you feel that what he had done make him look bad or make anyone look bad, then look at the country in itself. Mm-hmm. The way we think is by use. I'm using him as an example of America is doing bad by targeting him and not focus on the people, mm-hmm. the needs of the people. So America is in bad shape the way, in critical condition economically the way we are, because we are not thinking helping the people. We are falling for gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And focus on gimmicks and not figuring out figuring out a way to help people save money when it comes to on um, um they speak of minimum wage. There's no need for minimum wage. If you do the right thing for the people, none of this would be an issue. But things are being distraction like this by elected officials and those who are running for elect a public office. Focus on what he's done. He had what his person his what he has done with this Carlos dangerous thing has nothing to do with put providing a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Food on the table and money in your pocket. That is him and his wife. Yeah. Right. But, does does yeah. he show to some degree though? Like I liked him when he was in Congress because I mm-hmm. thought he was a bit of a fighter and he stood up for people. But then it sort of shows to me that he really just puts himself ahead of. It's more of a show, and he's he he's more concerned with his own behavior, mm-hmm. like the the arrogance of what he did, sending let, out. Let, let me clear like that, that and thinking he wasn't going to get caught. Let me clear that up right now for everybody listening. Some of us try to make like we are this and we're special. But when that door closed, we the biggest freaks in the damn world. <laughs> Let's face and stop playing games. When you get butt naked, you become a freak. You, wanna, you don't even want to tell nobody about it. So don't even go to the bedroom. Let's <laughs> get, get off that. What the nose, where the nose goes behind closed doors, no one knows. So let's get off of that subject right now. You, some of you older people might be able to fool some of the younger people, but you can't fool me. Um, the only thing I, I fault Anthony Weiner for is you can't stand the heat. Don't get in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you quit. Especially the per- if you don't have any pants on. <laughs> <laughs> because Jimmy McMillan is watching. <laughs> when you quit the first time, you should never have. Because you quit for a personal reason. The people went to the polls to vote for you to help get things that you could provide for mm-hmm. them. And when you quit, all those people who waste the time going to the poll to vote for you, you should be ashamed of yourself for making them Absolutely. go into the poll to vote. It, it could have voted for someone else or found something else to do. Now that I thought that you should be punished for, uh, and the only way you could be punished for in the election cycle Yes. It's the people ignore you at the poll. Yeah, if they if they don't vote you in or they vote you out. Well, that's the thing. I personally don't care what people do with other adults. But it's like it seemed to me like his focus wasn't on the job. His focus was on his own job. Well, mm-hmm. his own his own you know personal things. Like he lost sight of it, and that's what annoyed me because I thought here's a guy that really is the future, and Spitzer as well. He, he was a crusader and. You know, I don't really care that he goes get prostitutes. I think he he overpaid. Mm-hmm. 
You think rent's too damn high? <laughs> His hookers was too damn high. <laughs> what he did was he played a game of sexual baseball with the media. This is the catcher, and he's the pitcher. He knows that he's playing right into their hand with the media. If Anthony Weiner, Anthony Weiner is smart, he's a millionaire. And if anyone listening to me is smart, they will take this Carlos Dangerous and run with it. Well, we should start production on the porn. Yeah. You know how big that porn would be? Don, <laughs> Bob be Doe. Gigantic. Bob Doe, when he ran for president, admitted he was, a, he was in porn. Oh, yeah? Yes, Bob Doe? He, 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 Bob Doe. He ran for president of the United States, and he, they were in the porn. They were in the porn. I he was in one, or he watched them? No, he sells them. They sell the, sell the tapes and pornographic oh, involved in the pornographic stock. Mm. A lot of people mm. that you don't know isn't involved in pornographic stock. It's a huge business. Big, Somebody's big, making big money out of it, right? Yeah. It's a business. It's a big business. And the only thing I say to the people, get your mind out of the gutter. Get, the reason we come here the way we are, focus on what your children need you to help them do. And you waste your time talking about Anthony's wiener, uh, Anthony's penis, uh, Anthony's whatever his thing is down there. Only thing that, that I'm looking at, my Latino friends and my Hispanic friends should be pretty mad to find out that Anthony Weiner named his little old tiny thing Carlos Dangerous. <laughs> Carlos, why did you name your penis Carlos? I would be international. Let me look at that thing, man. You know, you know, and, but but it's a it's a. So, some I, I people think said it's a it beautiful should be called gimmick. a Carlito. Oh, yeah. little little Carlos. It's a beautiful gimmick, you know, for 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 Carl, for baby. I'm coming to bed tonight. I'm bringing Carlos Dangerous with me. <laughs> well, I I found that uh, the screen name uh, Tony Weiner gets me pretty much uh, a lot of action. <laughs> That's, see, it's a it's a porno name anyway, but yes. yeah, he went he went with the very the very South American. He opened the door for Comedy Central to have a great time. Yes. With, with this and this is comedy. America has got is in dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Americans need laughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing funny about what he's doing. No, to show you, so he don't he don't know what he's done. By doing about it, when he, as soon as I heard it, I fell on the floor and started laughing, and I haven't stopped laughing yet. <laughs> but he has opened the door to laughter. People need laughter, yeah. but even though yes. it's no laughing matter, um, this is a very serious thing. All of us have friends. If we don't have children, we have family who need help all across the globe. Why is it that everyone all across the globe, in Switzerland, New Zealand, Australia, UK, uh, love this guy, love me so much? For being able to speak the truth, because it ha- we have to get it right, and so far right now we are, we if we just focus on what is going on here, he is a comic. He is he's taking the people right now as a joke, like a husband got a wife and say, ah, fucker, I got, I just do what I want to do. I ain't worried about it. she ain't going nowhere. That's what he's really saying. Yes, and mm-hmm. she's standing by her man. Why is she standing by him? Because every woman want to hold a relationship together. Yes. To try to understand her man. She's probably sitting in the room at night saying, damn, I didn't know he was like this, but I don't want to lose him. What can I do? I'm not going to leave him because of it. Because she remember when she raised her hand and took an oath, her right hand, she said, for richer, for poor, for better, for worse. And that is what she's gone by. And people who overlooking that oath she took upon marriage are saying, well, well, she's in it too. Well, let me just say this to you. You are right. She took an oath to stand by him no matter what. Mm-hmm. That is what she's doing. So let me make this clear to all of you who feel that she 
Anthony Weiner's wife is going along with Anthony Weiner. She is not going along with him. She took an oath to stand by his side no matter what. For those of you who've never been to a wedding and heard the, pri- heard the preacher say that, for death do you part, then you need to go to listen to some tapes, go look, watch some movies. That is what she's doing, and she's doing nothing wrong. She's not wrong by doing that. And she's political, too. She's, uh, she worked for Hillary Clinton. So, you know, she just uh, she knows that. No, you can't say that. You can't say that around me. Hillary? Uh, because um, you can't say she worked for Hillary Clinton around me because I'm a, I do comedy, too. And, <laughs> and you know, Bill Clinton had Monica Lewinsky take care of him. So maybe that's, uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's what, that's yeah. what, uh, that's know. what. Well, what did, Hillary, what did, uh, Hillary, Hillary said that uh, whom it, no. she, I have a daughter, but if it, if, uh, no, you know, if I had you, another one, it no, would you, be Huma. You, you didn't catch on to what I said. Mm. You know? Okay, let me repeat it again. Uh-huh. So you can't say she used to work for Hillary Clinton because, see, when, when Monica Lewinsky was taking care of Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton should have told Monica, I got this, you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> She was getting, she just needed a spotter. You still Hillary don't get needed it. a spotter. You still don't get it, it, but I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> it's all laughter There's some that we. Subtext week. in there, right? <laughs> yeah, she still no, don't Hil- get it. Hillary what said a- that um, it, that Tuma was like a daughter to her, but uh, Jim yeah. said that Anthony Weiner is more like Bill Clinton's son. Yeah, yeah. Apple I, don't I, fall it's, too far it's, from it's the all, tree. Remember, you remember one guy said, "I smoke, but I didn't inhale." Yes, and he's the president of the United States, so this this comedy never goes away. Remember <laughs> uh, Jesse Jackson? He 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 cheated on his wife. Yes. Uh, Je- uh, Al Sharpton had another woman too. They left his wife for a younger woman. Uh, uh, they all playing this game of of uh, looking for some good coochie. Uh, you, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I, it is a huge distraction. but And that's why people don't... Uh, that's why I think nobody, nothing ever gets done for the people. Because, nothing, exactly. Well, because I think there is a lot of ego involved in the politics. And that's fine. It's But but that's what gets the attention and not the, the issues. And that's what I love about you. Mm-hmm. Because you're a man of the people. You stand up for them. But you've got a, a brilliant sense of humor. And you're a larger-than-life character, yet there is a message. What I do is I focus on the necessities of being an American citizen. And it is called, it is first spelled with a C. It is called constitutional rights. Yes. Mm-hmm. And privileges. That's great. Anthony Weiner, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpson, those who we, Bill Clinton, who have proclaimed to us cheating on their wife, have not violated any law under the constitutional. They have maybe violated the accessories of laws, such as marriage, other that, but we have nothing to do with that. No. And we must, as American citizens, focus on the constitutional privileges that are being that we're being denied to do, mm-hmm. such as someone come to you and tell you you can't smoke here. Your constitutional this is a this is America and a world. That's your freedom is being taken away from you. Mm-hmm. You, you when someone say you can't now certain thing uh, under the accessories of laws which is uh, being able to not smoke in certain places to make sure that no children are around, but to say you can't smoke outdoors in open park, now that's going too far. Yeah. You know, so we must get all of this right. We have somehow let the rich and the wealthy dictate how the poor should live and how we all should live because someone feel when we get older, we feel that you don't need to do this. And most of the older people who are coming up with all these things, they can't have sex. Is that why? They can't have sex. They can't. They don't have sex. They can't even get it up. Mm-mm. They want to go to the park and lay back on the grass and bang your woman or bang your man. Come on, man. 
that they can't do it, so they want you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why it's outlawed because yeah. they can't. Nobody's doing it. Nobody. If I'm not doing they're old. it, they're getting old. When people get it, when when people get older, the mind somehow or another break down. Mm-hmm. The thing that we that was they were free to do, they did it. Mm-hmm. But now, like, look at college tuition. Most of the old people didn't pay for college tuition; it was free. Yes. Yeah. But now the young people got to pay for it. Yeah. They 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 voting in the Senate and the Congress on passing law to reduce student loans and college tuition. Well, they should they should waive it altogether. But but I don't understand. Uh, I this is why I got involved because people are being misguided, and they would look at me and they would say the stupidest thing. Is he serious? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I vote for Jimmy McMillan, I don't know him. Wait, you've been voting for these people and you don't have a damn thing. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know about me? Mm-hmm. You know, and this is something people, don't be, people have become, they know so much about politics, they know nothing about politics. They know too much about everything and nothing about nothing. Get out of politics and be a parent and let us do what we're here to do, straighten this country out. They don't know how to do that. I had a guy who want to run for public office under the rent too damn high party. He's a Republican. He came to me the other day in the street and gave me a card. He said uh, he want to get on my party line running for controller of the city of New York. State of, state of New York. He said, gave me his card. He said, call me. We got to talk. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm the leader of the rent too damn high party. What, what are we going to talk about? You want to get on my party line and run for public office? You petitioned, what are we going to talk about? There's nothing for us to talk. Sit down and talk about what? When you ran for controller under the Republican Party, you didn't call, call, talk to the Republican Party leaders or the Democratic Party leaders. My job is to say you can run. So why? what are we going to talk about? See, people know too much. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you meet people like that, do me a favor, folks. Stay the hell away from them. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows so much about the landlords and rent, market value. When they say that, Run. Yeah, they know they don't have a clue of what they are talking about. Yeah. yeah, and this is what I'm here to. Now we need to run from them and run to you. Something is wrong. <laughs> I, let me repeat this. I think I think I said it before. Jimmy McMillan has created a recipe for change. Mm-hmm. In that recipe is ingredients to change the rent laws to make it work for the people, to change the rent laws to make it work for businesses to get a clear understanding of the rent laws so that businesses can prosper and landlords can all get a profit because the president has passed laws that make it work. I'm not giving my recipe away because Pillsbury never gave theirs away on how they make the bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is what people like myself do who ro- who have risen, rose to the surface, risen, rose, risen, worlds to the surface. I know I have something. I'm not going to give it away. I didn't get elected Mayor, I mean governor of the state of New York, but I'm running now as running a candidate for mayor of the city of New York to do the same, make those changes. That's me or you? This is you. That's mine. Oh, wow. To make, I'm sorry about that. Y'all hear that noise? That's somebody telling me it's time. It's time. (laughs) It's time to get down. Okay. Every time you hear that, <laughs> you know what I mean. We should, we should, we should actually, we should actually uh, let you go because no, we've taken right up too now. much of no, your time. I, this is but what you call, folks. I want y'all to pay attention to this. You know, I walked in. and You're supposed to put the phone on silence when you're recording. But anyway, I had it. Uh, I didn't do it. But I liked it. You heard that? It was really dramatic. Well, we endorse you. That blues sound. We endorse you so much, and we we love it, and we that we have the blues to prove it. It's called I'm a man. I'm a man. 
Well, there you have it, our epic interview with Jimmy McMillan of the Rent is Too Damn High party. On a side note, about a week after we spoke to Jimmy, he dropped out of the New York City mayoral race and endorsed Anthony Weiner. So that's politics for you. But we thank you for listening to Monsters of Talk. You can tweet me at Margaret Cho. Where can they tweet you? At Jimmy Shelter. You can tweet both of us at Monsters of Talk. But uh, we love our listeners, and we are the Monsters of Talk, and we will talk to you next time.